Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Come on, let's give them some praise this morning. Come on, let's lift up a Sunday morning shout. If you've been in revival for the last two days and you came in this place, we're going to give them a worthy praise. We're going to give them a worthy shout. And if you missed it, you maybe came in here and you go, man, what's all that shouting and all that screaming about? Friend, God has done something significant. He has done an inner work on us and in us, and we are not going back. I don't know about you, but I've made a decision. You might wonder why I sound like Batman. Friend, we have been shouting and we have been screaming and we have been excited because it has been evident that God is among us, that God has been moving in this place. It's no coincidence. You might wonder why we're shouting. I'm sorry, but you missed it on Friday and you missed it on Saturday and you just walked into the fire. You maybe walked in thinking it's a normal service. Friend, there's no such thing as normal in the presence of God there's no such thing and I'm just going to set some ground rules if you want to sit down that's fine if you want to stand up that's fine if you want to run around that's fine there is freedom and there is liberty but there is one thing I will not allow you to do and that's judge somebody else's worship that's judge somebody else's praise it's easy to be like the older brother and judge why are they shouting and why are they parting? Oh, but you don't know what it was like to be in the pig pen. You don't know what it was like to be addicted as an atheist. And it wasn't you that delivered me. It wasn't you that saved me. It was the presence of God. It was the move of God. It was the power of God. And so I'm not going to give my boss the best of me. I'm not going to give my wife the best of me. I'm not going to give my job and my college the best of me and then come on Sunday and give God the rest of me I'm going to come in this place today you could tweet that I'm going to come in this place and I'm giving God my best worship I'm giving God my best praise I'm giving God my best shout why are you always up there shouting because he is worthy of my praise the Bible says lift up a loud shout and give him a loud praise that God is among us that he has done great things and so don't sit back going I don't I don't get why they shout that way I don't get why they praise that way I don't get why they sing that way. You want to know why? Because we're tired of staying where we're at. And why is it? Well, why Why can't you just leave me alone? I'm going to explain why we can't. Why can't you just let me be in my complacency and be in my apathy and let me play church and let me play religion while, for one, going to hell isn't fun. So that's a good reason why not staying lukewarm. Is God does not vomit people into heaven. He vomits them into hell, okay? Some people think you'd be lukewarm and still go to heaven. That's one good reason why. But here's another good reason because when I don't when I don't participate in the move of God I am discouraging the people around me from engaging in the presence from engaging in the fire that's why and I'm going to say a bishop and I know you give me permission if you are a leader or an usher or on the ministry team you should be the first one at the altar whenever bishop gives altar calls you should be the first one shouting them down 
You should be the first one worshiping. Shame on us if we are on staff, but out of touch with the fire of God. I, if I'm a part of this church, I'm getting under the vision of this church. If there's revival weekend, guess what? I don't have to go. I get to go. You're part of our ministry? And you decide you don't want to show up to a prayer meeting or a ministry meeting. You'd rather go out camping or go out to the movies or have your little family time. Friend, you know what your family needs to be? Your family time needs to be. It doesn't need to be another vacation, another Disneyland trip, another movie theater night. It needs to be a night in the house of God. We need some men to rise up in this place that say, I'm going to shout louder. I'm going to praise harder for the presence of God than the presence of the Packers. I'm not going to let football be an idol in my family. I don't need a man cave i need a prayer cave i need to get my family at the altar of revival i don't need to line up for black friday to buy the new tv i need to line up in the house of god and get a shout on the inside of me get a praise on the inside of me i'm telling you as grown men it's pathetic our worship in the house of god and the enemy's plan in this place is to cause distraction and disruption and to roam and to prowl around. And he prowls and he devours the weak. That is why if you look at America as a church, we have a bunch of women running our church. And I love it, but the problem is God never intended the women to be the head of the house. He intended the man to be the spiritual priest. And some of you need to stop making your wife be the spiritual leader. Make your wife, always. Oh, she's always at the prayer meeting. Where are you at? Where are you at? Another overtime shift to pay for the boat. I got a boat, praise the Lord, but I could afford the boat I have. I don't put myself in a debt and then tell God, well, God, I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do all these things to be able to maintain my worldly life. No, I'm going to give God my best and my first. And maybe I can't afford the five bedroom, but I have to live in the three bedroom. I'd rather my kids share a bedroom and know how to pray and know how to cast out a devil than have their own bedroom and not serve God. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to serve mammon. We're not, I feel like preaching in this place today. We're not going to serve Baal. We're not going to serve the culture. We're going to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So honey, guess what? I'm going to the altar this morning. Don't look, don't look at Johnny and say, well, if you feel like coming to church, let me, let me just, let me free you right here. Johnny's been playing Fortnite all night. He doesn't feel like coming to church. Let me just tell you, you're 12 year old, and I know if you're young, you're gonna hate me. It's all right. I'm 27, so I'm not young anymore, so it's okay. I don't care if young people like me or not any longer. I'm an old man now, okay? I wake up with back pain, so we're just past the young people trying to like me. I'm telling you right now, we need a generation that would do something so spiritual. You wanna know, young parent, parents, what you can do, the most spiritual thing you can do? It's called unplugging the router in your house. It's called, I pay for the internet, I pay the bills, and you know what? I am not going to allow the enemy to stop my family from being a part of the move of God. I'm tired of hanging out at the edge of the river and letting everybody else jump in. I'm tired of, like Ezekiel said, being ankle deep. Some of you might be old, but you're not mature. By the way, yes, I graduated four years of Bible college, so you could just take that, put that in your religious pipe and smoke it. 
sitting back going, well, you know, that's for the young people, and I'm just going to spectate, and I'm just going to... The problem is you don't get a reward for spectating. You understand that when you go to a football game and you cheer on the Super Bowl winning team, do you know that when they hold up the trophy, you're nowhere in that mix? You're not holding up the Super Bowl trophy with them. Spectators do not receive a reward. Only participators. And you better believe that when I stand before God, I'm going to have a crown in my hand. I'm not going to cheer on those with the crown. I'm going to have a crown to throw at his feet. I'm going to have a reward because I engage in revival. I engage with the move of God. If watching people work out doesn't get me in shape, then watching people worship and watching people praise and watching people engage, it doesn't help my spiritual life. See, we somehow think we're better because we come to church and we spectate. So you know what happens? Bishop gets up here and preaches the word because God, I've never met anybody that knows the word as much as him. And he's up here preaching the word and we're in delusion as a church and we sit back and we convince ourselves because he's preaching the word and because there's a, a little verse on the screen that we've actually convinced ourselves we're reading the Bible. And we will literally go all week and then realize on Sunday morning, I don't read the Bible. But because Bishop preaches and Bishop reads, we think that it's enough for us. Friend, his walk is not enough to carry you. And the reason why so many ministers and pastors are burnt out it's because they don't have leaders around them that actually have their own prayer life. See, when Moses was suicidal and said, God, kill me now. I can't stand these people. God said, Moses, the answer is not to kill you. The answer is to raise up 70 people. And I'm going to put my spirit on them. And not even mine. I'm going to put your spirit on them. And they are going to prophesy. I believe there's 70 people in this place that say, I'm going to let the same spirit of refuge church rest upon me and I might not like it but I'm jumping in the river it's a lot of us a little door explorer floaties we're sitting there ankle deep water and going why do you have floaties on you're not even in the river and then we think we're out we'll go knee deep then we go waist deep but we're still at a place where we can move in and out of the river we can move in and out of the revival so what do we do we spend 167 hours letting the enemy shape us and sculpt us and mold us and form us and do all what he wants to do and then we come and give God an hour and we get ankle deep in the river and we kick around in the kiddie pool of Christianity and God came to Peter and said Peter you've been fishing in shallow water and There is no fish in the shallow. He goes, Peter, I'm a fisherman, so I'm about to preach that. He said, Peter, the fish are out in the deep water. And the word of the Lord to you this morning is I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you deeper into prayer. I'm calling you deeper into intercession. I'm not mad. I just know there is more. If you would go in the deep things of God, the Bible says your spirit searches out the mysteries of God and deep cries out to deep. Being shallow isn't fun. You'll come to church, but it's boring. If you are bored this morning, which I know a lot of us are as Christians, you're doing it wrong. And you're in the kiddie pool. See, the fun doesn't start until you go all in. Nobody goes cliff jumping just to stand at the edge and go, wow, this is exciting. It's not exciting until you step over the pass of the point of no return and actually jump off the cliff. And there's plenty of us worshiping at the edge of our breakthrough, praising at the edge of our miracle, singing at the edge of revival. And then you look at people like us, why are they so crazy? Because we have stepped off the edge and we have gone all in and to live is Christ, but 
but to die is gain. And we are not playing religion. We are not playing church. I have given up too much to show up once a week, sing a couple kumbayas, pour a little bit of oil on you like we're at KFC, give you a fortune cookie prophecy, and walk out living like the devil. God is raising a prophet that would prophesy the word, that would be ready in season. I'm preaching the Bible this morning. And be ready out of season. That would preach when it's favorable and preach when it's unfavorable. See, Paul said there is coming an hour where men will no longer endure sound and wholesome teachers, but they will look for those that will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. We come here, and you know, as American Christians, because we're not like the church of the Bible, if we don't like what pastor preaches, guess what we'll do? We'll just go find a church where we like what the pastor preaches. Francis Chen was in a Chinese church where they were being murdered, persecuted, arms broken, and he was sitting in a circle at a Chinese underground church, persecuted. Every person there had been beat or persecuted or done something by the government, and he sat around there, and they began to explain the church, and they began to explain testimonies of prayer, of miracles, of signs of wonders, and they said, Francis, tell us about the American church. He said, while in America, we have these things we call churches, where there's these big buildings, and we come once a week for about an hour and a half and we sing three songs, three fast, two slow, have a nice little minute, five, 15 minute, 30 minute message, then a five minute altar call and then we all go home and we just do it every week and it's crazy because if you don't like the pastor, you could go find a church where you do like it and if you don't like the preaching, you can go find another church. There's churches everywhere. Whatever flavor that suits you, doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with the word of God as long as it lines up with your flesh and he said a circle of these Chinese Christians, they begin to laugh at him. They literally thought he was joking and Francis Chan's daughter after walked out and said dad they were laughing at us they thought we were kidding and the question these Chinese missionaries had to Francis Chan was where did you guys get that model from in other words when we read the Bible that's not the conclusion that we come up with from the model of the American church and I'm talking about coming and living our life for an hour once a week is not the gospel Jesus said I want you to take what's in the church and bring it outside the church see the thing is we actually believe that this works out there that I could bring miracles into Walmart that's how Matt even went viral Matt was praying for the sick at Walmart and he's not going to say it because he hates bragging about himself. But the Bible says, let others boast for you. So I'll boast for him. I was on his page last night. I'm going, look at this. One of his videos, I'll show him, Pastor. 30 million views. Another one, 35 million. I'm talking about, I know I love Billy Graham and I love Reinhard Bong. I love the Crusades. But I'm talking about God reaching a generation that goes, you know what? I'm going to move outside the church. And I'm going to move into the realm of culture. And Matt's page now has over 100 million views. I want you to think about this. One third of the population of the United States has logged on and listened of the testimonies of what God is. And you know, none of the testimonies on his page are anything God's done in the church. Does God move in the church? Absolutely. But God loves being out on the streets. God loves being in the house that's packed out. The room gets, the roof gets removed, healing the man that's lame. Friend, God wants you to take your faith in, from the church to outside the church. He never commanded us to play flashlight tag. He said the light of Christ is not for light. It's for darkness. So don't let your light shine upon each other let your light shine in darkness see the world is desperate and hungry and we could continue to play religion and to go through the routines and God will overlook the church to reach the lost and you know God in his great mercy God will let us continue to play church thinking we're saved 
The Bible says in Romans, God turned them over to their sin. God turned them over to the religion. God allowed that religious system to keep going, and they had the veil up, but there was no ark behind the veil. We are so good at covering the fact that we have lost the presence of God, that we have lost the ark of God. And so we preach about the holy of holies, and we preach about the presence of God. And then when people finally decide they want to enter in, we're like, well, you know, it doesn't take all that. You don't have to do all that. And you know, you don't have to be on fire. Why? Because we know we've lost the presence of God. And so we have to charade and mass something up in America. But I believe this morning some of you are going to get that passion back. You are going to get that fire back. You are going to get that zeal back. Saying, God, I don't want to just know about you, but I really want to know you. That's why Job in four, chapter 42 said, my ears have heard about you, but now my eyes, they see you. It took 42 chapters for Job to say, I'm tired of hearing about you. I want to see see. I want my eyes to be open. I want to know you. And God is raising up voices that are going to preach repentance. Don't get offended. Get right. I don't know why I have to. He has to do. You don't have to do none of that. We do it because it's a privilege to come in the presence of God. We do it because America is dying and going to hell. There is no getting around it, guys. We are at the point right now in America where we don't have time to play church and play games. That revival is our only option. There is only one last thing that we have hope in to change America. We are past the point of church growth. We are past the point of new strategies. If we don't get a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, if the fire of God doesn't burn once again on the altars of the American church, America will die. But I prophesy and decree that America is too young to die, and there will be a great revival and a great awakening. And I'm not gonna watch it, I'm gonna be a part of it. I bet you there's not one person in this room besides Bishop because he knows the Bible. That can name one of the 12 spies, that one of the 10 spies that entered the promised land that were doubters. Not one. Yet every one of us knows Caleb and Joshua. But you couldn't name me one name out of the other 10 guys that went with Caleb and Joshua. Why? History never remembers people that doubt. History never remembers people that are afraid to go in. History never remembers cowards. And I refuse to be one of the 10 spies that nobody remembers. I'm going to enter in. And you know what Moses said? Moses said, here's why. It's not okay for you to not engage. Here's why you can't be a Sunday morning participating check in and check out Christian he goes because you're going to discourage the people around you from going in he said are you just going to sit back he told this to Reuben Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh while everybody else crosses the Jordan and fights the battle or are you going to help us fight refuge church I came to ask you are you going to help us with the battle in America are you going to help us wage war in the spirit and bring the fight right to the enemy's gates I'm going to raise up a church and the gates of hell they won't prevail I'm going to raise up a violent church I'm going to raise up a powerful church I'm not raising up a petty church because right now the devil laughs at us as we play church the devil prowls around, and it's not even that he's here. It's that we don't even recognize how he's moving in our life. 
We don't even wage war. And the enemy is going, I don't even need to fight. I don't even need nothing. The church is busy enough fighting themselves. With all the energy we spend fighting each other, arguing with it. I'm going, I wonder what would happen. I'm preaching my own church here right here. If they're watching on faith. I wonder what would happen if we took all the energy we have, complaining about all the things we don't like about the church, complaining about all the things we don't agree with the church. Friend, listen, it doesn't matter what you think or what you like. If it did, God would have made you the pastor, okay? But you got to realize that I'm not going to complain. I'm going to use the energy that I've been using to gossip, to murmur, to backbite, to avoid the move of God. And I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to take that focus and I'm going to target the enemy and I'm going to put a bullseye on the enemy's head and I'm going to break the powers of darkness. See, I believe that God is raising up young guys. Nino, will you give a shout out for Nino right here? Is raising up us young guys. I'm telling you, Paul said you're going to have many teachers but few fathers and we are grateful that we are submitted to authority. We are grateful that we have spiritual father in our lives life that is able to help shape us and help guide us and some of you you need to submit to a spiritual father see there's only one reason people don't like covering and it's because they have something they're covering but when you let the lord expose you and say god this is who i am guys do you know how tiring it is to be fake i tell people all the time god can't anoint the fake you and you're coming going, God, why won't you bless me? God goes, because I can't anoint who you're pretending to be. I can only anoint who I've called you to be. And you can fake it till you make it. And you can act like you're on fire. Act like you're a part of this ministry. Act like you're worshiping. But God goes, I want you to remove the veil. I want you to remove the makeup. I want you to take off mask. Why? Because it's exhausting trying to be somebody at work and then somebody at church. So you know why we go to bed tired every night, wore out, beat down at 10 o'clock? Because we've spent all day putting on different masks. Being one person when we go to work. Then being one person. I didn't even work in a shot right there. Being one person when we go to school. Being one person at church. Then we come to the house of God. i got to get my church mask. Put the mask on. Oh, I'm doing great, brother. Praise the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. I promise. I decree. I declare. I'm going, how is it for an hour you put the mask on? But I'm wondering, what do you wear during the week? What do you wear on Monday? When you get up tomorrow morning, what are you going to put on? Because here's what Jesus said. Here's, here's what Paul said. Paul said, I put on Christ. In other words, Paul said, when I got saved I died to the old me that means my desires and my ambitions my will my motives my preferences Paul goes I died to my outfit and now I put on the Christ I wear Christ I took off the mask so guess what I wear to work I wear Christ guess what I wear to school I wear Christ guess what I wear to church I wear Christ this is who I am in the church it's who I am outside the church it's who I am in my bedroom it's who I am in my office I'm tired of having an on and off switch for the light of Christ I'm going to wear this thing every day it's an everyday thing and this is just a highlight for my week so here's the purpose we come here an hour and a half and Bishop gets up here and says, these are the marching orders. This is the tools God's given me to equip you. And you take the word he gives you and you go, I'm not just going to hear the word. I'm going to do the word because if I hear it but don't do it, I'm opening up a portal to a demonic spirit. And the spirit is called deception. The Bible says if you hear it but don't do it, you are deceiving yourself. And I am tired of living my life in deception. I'm tired of thinking I have all this together. I'm tired of playing religion. I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of balancing the masks. I'm wore out because I sometimes accidentally wear the wrong mask. 
fast to the wrong place. See, it's so freeing when you put on Christ because you can be at work and be the same. You can be at home and be the same. I believe there's some men in this place that are going to rise up with boldness and say, I'm putting on Christ today. I'm going to treat my wife right. I'm going to treat my kids right. I'm going to be the spiritual leader of my home. I'm going to lead them into prayer. I'm going to lead them into fasting. I'm going to lead them in the presence of God. Well, I say, I don't have time. You don't have time to not pray. You don't have time to not worship. You don't have time to not fast. God goes, I want a lifestyle, not a service. I mean, can you imagine Jesus dying on the cross and just coming and having church? Like, what'd you die for? Well, we're going to make a musician and a band and a worship team. And I think it's all amazing. Like I said, we pastor a church, and we do exactly the same way you do service, we do service. So I don't think I'm coming here being like, oh, everything we're doing is wrong. I'm telling you that beyond our service, there is a service. I don't just want to go to church service. I want to be in the service. I want to serve. The Son of God did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And God is really looking for those that would not just fill out a pamphlet or give 5% of their income but God goes I want your entire life to lay it down and to be in my service see Paul might not have liked what he had to do but Paul said the Paul is dead and now Christ lives in me and we have to stop falling in love with God what God did yesterday see what God did yesterday and what God did in the previous generation I often say that revival in the last generation is religion in the current generation and we fall in love with what God did instead of in love with what he's doing and here's what I love about God he never stops moving God never stops moving so we if we're doing the same thing we've done for years it's not God if we're doing the same work, it's not God. Same song, not God. Why? Because God goes, I'm not stagnant. I'm not stale. I'm a God that's active. I'm a God that's moving. In fact, in Isaiah 43, he tells Isaiah, and I used to preach this wrong, and if you're a preacher, you preach stuff wrong a lot, and then you read it and go, wow, I really preached it wrong. It's called revelation. When God reveals, you, you realize that that revelation was good for that season, but the new revelation is good for this season. And Isaiah 43, he says, forget the past, remember the former no more. And I've read that going, I'm going to forget the drugs. I'm going to forget the alcohol. I'm going to forget the gangs I'm gonna forget my old life and I've done that and that's biblical to forget but that's not what he was talking about to Isaiah he told Isaiah and talks about how he delivered the children of Israel how his hand has been on them and he goes Isaiah here's what I want you to forget I don't want you to forget the bad that's happened I actually want you to forget all the good that I've done wait a minute are you telling me God is asking me to forget the good that he's done absolutely why because sometimes I will fall in love with what he did in the past and it will prevent me from moving on to the new thing because in the next sentence guess what it says it says for I'm about to do a new thing I hear the Lord saying refuge church I'm getting ready for the new so you're going to have to fall out of love with the old you might have to get uncomfortable you might have to step out of your comfort zone you might have to break out of complacency he goes I'm going to make a river in the desert I prophesy over you today that every dry area God's about to break out a river that every desert in your life if your prayer life has been dry guess what here comes the river if your worship life has been dry here comes the river if the by your Bible reading has been dry here comes the river he goes not only that there's the second element to what I'm about to do I'm going to make a path through the wilderness 
You know what he was saying? I'm going to show you a way out of wandering. What do you mean wandering? Five years, I've done nothing for God. Five years I've been in the church. Five years. And you know we hide behind the fact? Well, I've been in church for a long time. You could be in church all you want and not be in Christ. You could be in church for years. You don't mature. Lennon Ravenhill said maturity does not come from time. It comes from trial. So you could, you could be in church and never grow and never mature. That's why Paul said when I became a man, not when I grew up, not when I was in church. When I became a man, I put away the childish things. See, God wants to mature you in the spirit. You could be 70 and be immature. Some of you need to forget about that old thing and that past thing and what God did eight years ago and God changed me God goes yes Isaiah I anointed you eight years ago praise God I touched you January 12 2011 praise the Lord but Isaiah I want to know what am I doing in your life today I'm a God of the now I don't want to live my life telling stories of what God did telling stories of who I used to be people come up to me and you know all the time Bishop and say well I used to be like you some of you you're you're I used to Christians in this place I used to praise that way. I used to shout that way. I used to dance that way. So the next question is, what happened? Did God change or did I change? Well, the Bible says God is the same yesterday and forever. That's an eternal principle that cannot be changed, cannot be shifted, cannot be moved. So that means that if God hasn't changed, I have changed. That means there's an area of my life that has shifted and has changed. So I cannot change God to look like me. I have to change me to look like God. This morning, I'm going to evaluate my life. And according to Romans, Paul says, be rightful or be proper or evaluate yourself truly. Don't lie when you evaluate yourself. Yourself. Don't be fake, but he goes, I give each of you this warning to evaluate yourself, evaluate yourself to the standard of the faith we've been given. Paul said, stop measuring your Christian life based on the people around you and measure it based on the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I'm afraid to stand behind Apostle Paul on Judgment Day. God told me one day, he said, Isaiah, can you imagine being in line with the Apostle Paul on Judgment Day? And you're standing behind him and you're waiting in line because we are going to get judged all together on that final day. And you're sitting there, tap on the shoulder. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. What's your name? Well, I'm Isaiah Salvador. You know, I was in church and this. Oh, cool. What year were you, what year were you born? Well, I wasn't born in 1990. What year were you born? Well, I was born in 380. I mean, can you imagine going back and forth with the apostles? And, Wait, well, what's your name? Well, my name is Paul. Well, and actually, it's Saul. But then they change it to Paul. And you start realizing you are talking to not just an average man, the apostle Paul, who is going to be judged. And guess what? His standard, God doesn't go, oh, apostle Paul. Okay, let me open up the book that was for your day. Where there was no pornography, there was no iPhones, and then God looks at you and goes, let me give you a lesser judgment, because you were born in America, and you were an American Christian, you know, everybody else watched it, everybody else drank it, everybody else did it, guys, it's the same judgment, and the Apostle Paul looks at you, and you go, well, wait, what was your, well, I was beat, I was stoned, I was shipwrecked a couple times, I was sick, I, I was in prison, yeah, I wrote most of the Bible in prison, and he's telling you all of the stuff he did for God, all the war, and Paul goes, well, I consider it nothing compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ, I me, mean, I was a Pharisee, graduated from the Harvard College of Religious People, and I did this, and I did that, and I did that. And I, what's your name? Like, uh, I'm John. What'd you do? Uh, I lived in Wisconsin. Oh, cool. What'd you do? I went to church. Paul goes, so what'd you do for God? Well, I worked. Okay, what, what'd you do for the kingdom of God? I mean, I mean, what you're you're a Christian? Why are you a Christian? I mean, Paul's wondering what makes you like him. And you go, well, I did you did you pray for the sick? Well, not really. My pastor did. 
Did you pray? Did you cast out devils? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to. Did you Did you ever raise a dead person? Like, well, I, not really. I mean, I prayed for a person once when their toe was hurting. I mean, did you? Okay, so you had, I, obviously you made some disciples. Well, I didn't really make anything but excuses. Paul goes, Let me, please, I mean, you did you want, I know you water baptized. I mean, come on, you had a bathtub, right? Well, no. I mean, so Paul goes, so then why are you, what do you think is going to happen on judgment day? I mean, you think that God is just going to change the word of God? Friend, God's whispered in my ear one day he said Isaiah there's going to be so many people that want me to say well done but I can't say well done the people that haven't done anything a lot of us want to hear well done but God's going what have we done I'm preaching to myself today I don't want to stand on judgment day and go I went to church I played religion I had a nice family and that might be your calling to have a nice family but make sure that when you do you actually have a relationship with the son of God there are many of us our call is to be a house mother our call is to be a doctor our call is to be a school teacher but do it with the presence of God do it with relationship God goes I didn't call you to be a pastor but I did call you to be in relationship here's the great misconception we think pastors are the only ones called to the prayer closet so you know what? We think, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be an evangelist. I'm not called to be. And let me tell you, you might not be called to the five offices. Many of us, I was the majority of us in this room, are not called to be pastors in the office of the pastor, are not called to be in the office. But you know what? We are all called to have a relationship with Christ. And we cannot excuse the fact, if I could get the worship team up, we cannot excuse the fact that because we're not a pastor and because we're not a leader, we don't need to have a relationship. Every one of us this morning needs to evaluate you're going to get part two tonight need to evaluate our walks you can go buy some merch in the back so I don't have to take it home praise the Lord we need to evaluate our walks and look at our life and then measure it to the Bible and ask ourselves one question does my life look like the word of God now I'm on a stage I travel we travel full time all over the country preaching churches of 10 churches of 1000 churches of 5000 a tv whatever we do we travel we preach i'm i'm on a stage and i'm looking at my life and going does my life i'm talking about Isaiah Silver i'm not even preaching you know now you're not this one moment you don't have to be offended cuz i'm not talking about you and then look at my life and go does my life look like the bible and you know the crazy part we don't even get judged based on the apostle paul we get judged based on jesus what is my standard Jesus. So you know what that means? I'm not allowed to be annoyed at people. I'm not allowed to gossip. I'm not allowed to drink. Watch me. Watch me now. I'm not allowed to fornicate. I'm not allowed to watch it. Why? Because I'm supposed to look like him. And if he didn't do it, wouldn't do it, or isn't doing it, then I don't have permission to do it. My assignment and my calling, does my life look like him? I'll tell you this. 100% no. Well, maybe 99.9. I probably got like 0.1% to what he, to what he was like. So what keeps me going every day? Today, I'm going to become more like him. Paul said, every single day, I got to die to myself so that Christ could be made alive in me. Every day, I need that born-again experience. Why? Because I can't get there from here, and I can't enter in through man's knowledge, man's wisdom, or man's righteousness. And you might think, well, now you're preaching works. Friend, it is only by the grace of God that empowers me to live like Christ. And this morning, there is a fresh anointing of grace. There is a fresh touch for you in this place. There is real miracle power that is going to begin to 
to transform our lives to the image of God. I don't know where you're at, who you are, where you are, what you've done, or who you've done, but I'm telling you the presence of God wants to change you to His Son. The presence of God wants to make you like Christ. God has one mission for us, and that's to become like His Son on the earth. I have to send my spirit. We don't want you to go. We love you, Jesus. I have to go. I don't want to go, but I have to go. Why? Because if I don't leave, he won't come. Who's he? Oh, I forgot to tell you. This entire time, something's been driving me. Jesus goes, I forgot to tell you. When I came to earth, I was 100% man and 100% God. But you got to understand the God part of me. There's a little secret I have not told you guys. Do you guys remember when I raised the dead? Absolutely. How could we forget? Do you remember when we opened up the eyes? Absolutely. Remember blind Bartimaeus? Absolutely. Do you know what it was causing me? What gave me the power and what gave me the authority to do all these miracles? I was unlike an average man. No. What was it? There's a guy. His name's Holy Spirit. And he was the power and the same spirit. And you, do you remember? Remember I told you guys about I was, I was in hell for three and I was fighting principalities, powers, they buried and remember when I told you that force came down and the Bible says in Romans that force that pulled me out of hell that force is called Holy Spirit and I got something amazing to tell you guys and you don't even have to wait till Christmas to unwrap this revelation. He goes I'm going to send that power I'm going to send that spirit and I'm not going to hide it in a building. I'm not going to hide it in the stars. I'm not going to hide it in creation. I'm going to hide it in earthly vessels. I'm going to put the same spirit that raised me from the grave on the inside of you. And every single day, that force is going to make you more like me. And you're going to walk around this city and the gates of hell are going to tremble. And they're going to look at you like they did in the book of Acts and say, the men that are turning cities upside down have now entered Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And we are going to shake and we are going to break and we are going to rumble. Is there anyone in this place today that says, God, I'm going to evaluate my life. I don't got to have no one lay hands on me. I'm going to do a drawn altar call. I am evaluating my life today. And I'm saying, do I look like Christ? And if the answer is no, for me it is, then today. I'm asking you, Lord, give me a fresh touch and give me a fresh fire. Would you please give a loud round of applause to Bishop Matthew Melick this morning? At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.